So you know we're doing this thing called Truth Quest, which is to raise, train and raise up other people to preach and teach. And we've been doing it, we, we did it in a formative form a couple of years back, and Nicola did it, and Nicola's been preaching. And then uh, last year we did it, and uh, Sarah and Lorraine have done some fantastic preaches since then. And we've got a new batch coming through. And this morning is the first of the new batch. And I am, I am just, so, I'm just so proud of these guys. It's just amazing how they're growing and developing and coming on. Uh, but somebody has to go first, and everybody else ducked at that point. And, and we were left, and, and Nikki, I think she must have been eating at the time, didn't duck quick enough. So we have the amazing Nikki Phillips this morning. Hi, everyone. <laughs> I'm Nikki. Mark's done the easy bit for me to tell you who I am. Um, he's very kindly given me the opportunity, and I wasn't eating at the time. I got dragged into the office, actually, and told I was doing it, whether, you know, that was it. Um, this is really different from the very small group we have at Truth Quest, who are like my cosy environment where we learn to, to talk to each other. This is a bit <laughs> daunting, so please be patient with me. Um, I've been around for a while, come with my two children, my mum, my sister and her kids. Um, I'm a lawyer by profession. Mark says that you guys won't hold it against me, but sometimes he does, um, especially at Truth Quest. But I'm not anymore. I'm fortunate enough to be at home with my kids, mum. I help out with safeguarding at church and where Scott needs me if he does. Um, I've been a Christian for a really long time, actually, since I was about 11. I was fortunate enough to grow up in a Christian home. I knew Jesus from being a little girl, thank goodness. But I gave my life to him at about 11 years old. Um, Got to be real. I had some tricky times, family times, tricky growing up times. And navigating that isn't always easy. And fast forward a few years to uni days, and I was walking pretty far away from Jesus. Never so far gone that I was lost, but far enough that I was probably not behaving how I ought to have been. But that's the honest truth, right? But now, I think the best thing to say is I've recommitted myself, not just to be a Christian in the title, but to be a follower, to, to do what I'm supposed to do, live, what, walk the walk, yeah? Um, and, and with that, investing time in the word with you lovely guys, um, with my family. I have seen blessings in my life. Both my children have become kingdom followers. They are in the kingdom and that, that's like a win. I'm praying for my husband still. <laughs> um, Mark, why would you listen to me today? Other than because Mark says you have to. <laughs> um, I'd like you to listen to me because Truth Quest is pretty cool. And we're learning a lot. Like It's amazing the things that you can find out about the Bible. So I've got a lot to share. And, and today, I think, is, I think it's a good one. I'm doing Truth Quest because I'm very good at giving a heart answer. You know, why I believe something because the Holy Spirit tells me that's what I should believe. Or, but that doesn't always fly with people you come across day to day. I want to be able to give like scriptural, justified, backed up, factual rationalized answers so I want to learn more about the Bible learn how to do that and Mark's a really good teacher so Truth Quest is, is amazing I had forgotten when I signed up for Truth Quest that you have to do the talking bit I genuinely just had it down as like in-depth Bible study but I would like to get better at the talking as well so Mark's very helpful with that as well and the bit that we're studying in the Bible 
the elementary part is um, Hebrews 6, verse 1. And there are these new things to me, foundational principles of Christianity. One of them is baptism in the Holy Spirit. I'd never heard of them before I did Truth Quest. I'll be really honest. It's pretty cool. It's amazing. We have to look at them. If the writer of Hebrews says we should look at these things, then we should all pay attention. It's not just because I'm telling you right now. I'm not going to dig straight into scripture. I'm going to go off-piste and tell you about some pictures that I've been given. I'm very fortunate that Jesus speaks to me through imagery, and I often get them, and I've shared a couple before. Um, The first one, they're all the same story, but the first one I had months and months ago in Mark and Cheryl's living room at, at one thing. I was worshipping. We were all worshipping together. I was on my knees, which is very new for me. I don't do that in public. That's kind of a private thing. But I was. And I saw in that moment this, and imagine, like a little cup, like a little white ter- porcelain type thing. Really pretty on the outside. But inside it was full of gunk and like goo and stuck on stuff that wasn't part of the pot. It needed to get out. And I was praying there and then. This is me. This is the stuff that's got to come out of my life to have more space for the Holy Spirit. And I wasn't going to say this, but that evening I was delivered of something, healed of something. Twinkle prayed for me, and I've not had bad dreams since that day, and they were my big problem. (laughs) So whatever was holding me back in that particular avenue, I was released of that that day. Moving on to a couple of months ago now, beginning of January, middle of Jan, sorry, I had two more pictures, and they were exactly the same. I'm going to ask you to imagine enormous black rocks. It was like the rocks in Iceland where my brother's family from, uh, his wife's family. Black, dark, moody, but torrents of that waterfall flowing over. Powerful water, white spray, really raging. And the bottom of this waterfall is a man-sized glass vase. Not being broken, just sat there receiving all of this spray, water, power coming through, overflowing, more spray, the lights refracting off the glass, the lights refracting off the water. It's quite a beautiful image. And I was blown away by it. And I had that picture twice in very quick succession. A couple of weeks down the line after that, I wasn't very well, I was in bed. And I was between waking and sleeping. That moment when you're not really sure, is it dreaming, am I awake? I saw the same glass vase, this man-sized vase being filled with this raging water. And in the side of picture is my little cup. But it's just held into the, if you imagine, held into the spray. It's not getting any flooding. It's just getting a little sprinkle, a little waft of moisture. And I got to thinking, what am I supposed to glean from this praying about it? What is this? I know what my cup's a little about, but what's the rest of it? And if you aren't familiar with the Holy Spirit, I'm going to ask you to bear with me because grubby little porcelain cups and the Holy Spirit and waterfalls is a lot. But I found out a question. And the question is, why are we not getting under the waterfall? Why are we settling for not being under there? What is it about not being under the waterfall that we think is okay? So context in January when I had all these pictures. I'd been poorly since October and I sort of kept that quiet. It's very me. I was in bed and I was 
resting post an operation, trying to really pray Jesus' healing over me and, and also enjoying the restful time and reading my Bible and spending more time with him. But what I realized is that I was lying there in bed and I really don't have it figured out. I don't have... I'm not altogether perfect. <laughs> and what I'd also realized is I hadn't shared this health issue with anyone at church. I am massively independent, hyper-independent, which I think is a really good thing, but I've realized since this journey that it really isn't. Because every time I say I've got my stuff together, I'm all right, thanks, look how great my life is, I'm actually hiding things away. I'm not allowing the family of God to show me their love. I could have shared and asked for healing. I could have shared and asked for support, and I didn't. And when you do that, you put up a barrier. So when you're walking around saying, I'm all right, thanks, you're leaning on yourself. You're not leaning on God. You're also, I was, you end up with these sort of weird feelings of shame and, and guilt that you're not sharing. And that's really bad for you, and it's definitely not of God. The other thing that comes, and again, I'm being really honest, is you start thinking you're a bit better than everyone else because you're, you know, strutting around. I've got it all sorted. It's just not true. And why are we worried about, why was I worried about what everyone else is seeing of me when really what's important is what God sees inside? So all of that gunky stuff in my little cup, one of the big things in there is this hyper-independence on self and not relying on God. If he knows me intimately and knows what's going on, why am I allowing my little cup to be full of the nonsense? I need to get myself under the waterfall <laughs> um, where you get intimacy with the Holy Spirit. And I don't know about you guys, but maybe you're just super busy and God got crowded out of your life. You need to make space for him. Maybe you've got no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is just a random thing that Nikki's chatting about. If that's the case, there will be someone at the end who can help you, maybe even me. But we will talk to you about it, and maybe you'll learn something with what I'm going to say. Maybe you have got no expectations of moving God moving miraculously. And if that's the case, we have to change that perspective. Or maybe like me, you just got really unused to it in your life. You got used to doing it a certain way and thinking that was all right. Whatever the reason is that's for you, the real question is, why are we not getting under the waterfall? Why are we settling for less than we can have? And Cheryl just said it just now, there is so much more available to us. There is so much available, and the Holy Spirit is endless. Now, Mark slotted this bit in my talk. I wasn't going to do it, so I have to give him the credit. I would like you to raise your hand if you want more of God in your life. Look at that. If you raised your hand, remember you did, because I'm going to ask you about it later. If you didn't, you're also super important, because I'm going to talk to you about that too. <laughs> The reason I've asked you is because it's for anyone. The Holy Spirit is for anyone and everyone. I first met him as a little girl. <laughs> I'd, I'd been in contact with him and around people who'd been had him in his life. So I'd seen healings, I'd seen deliverances, I'd heard people speaking in tongues. It was all like the norm in a church we were in. But I didn't know him intimately. And I was baptized in the Spirit a little bit older than I was, um, gave my life to him. It all happened very quickly with coming to know him, baptism and baptism in the spirit. And I got hit hard. <laughs> and it was a joyful, overwhelming, I'm not going to cry moment where I felt this amazing presence. I was given the gift of tongues immediately. 
it was weird. <laughs> it was amazing because I didn't know what I was saying, but I knew it was really special. Really special. I'd been given a way to communicate with him in a way that, well, I didn't, like I said, I didn't know what I was saying. This little girl image, I remember the party afterwards, we had this garden party and there were some people there, friends, and I remember their faces of that day. It really has stood out in my mind. And the sad thing is I'm reminiscing about it and then I'm also admitting how far I've come and how off path I've wandered and occasionally and let stuff get in the way. The point being, what's happened? I've let, my, I've let the world get in the way. I let my life get in the way. I let myself get in the way. And... Maybe that's you. Maybe you were baptized in the Holy Spirit and then something's got in the way and you've lost a little bit of it. Or maybe you, you're missing out completely and you've not been baptized in the Spirit yet. Whatever that position is for you, there's more. And we can't exhaust him. He's, he's there for all of us. He's got time and space for all of us. So now I've done the bit about me and why I'm here <laughs> and, and my experience. I want to take you into the scripture. And there's quite a lot at this beginning bit. So... Hopefully Jules is going to be like my friend and help me out. Um, Hebrews 6, these foundational doctrines I mentioned earlier, there's a few. I'm going to focus on the baptism in the Spirit, but I need to show you how we got there. And I picked up relatively quickly. This is like a journey through becoming a Christian and, and your walk with Jesus. So what happens first is you're born again. You repent you're saved by grace of the cross through faith. Ephesians 2, 1 to 9, but I'm just going to read you number 8, which I highlighted in my children's Bible when they were, they were saved. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. And at that moment, you're joined with the Spirit of God. Romans 8, 9 says, But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. Last one. No, second to last one for this section. We are a new creation when we give our lives to Jesus. At 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And this is my favorite. This was like a rock-solid moment where I... Um, at Ephesians 1.13, you're sealed by the Holy Spirit. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. At that moment when you've become a new creation in Jesus, you have this amazing new potential, something you didn't have before. Before it, you are stuck in the stuff I was talking about, your experience, your history, the stuff you learn. But the moment you're saved and born again, you have new potential, new independence from the old stuff. You're free in Jesus, and you can live free of history, of experience, of what you've learned along the way. Being honest, I got free and then picked up a lot of that stuff along the way. But it's okay, because I can still live free in Jesus. Number two is water baptism not going to do a big talk because it's like a whole talk on itself. Briefly, when you're baptized in water, you are showing the world this outward sign of what the change has come inside you. You've given your life to Jesus. You're a new creation. And in water, being baptized in water, you show that. If anyone wants to be baptized, I'm not going to do it now, 
you please come and talk to Mark and Jules because I think there's one coming up and it's be amazing if anyone wants to or anyone knows of someone who wants to be baptized. Last one and the one we're focusing on is spirit baptism. When you're, like I said, those four verses, you become part of the body of Christ. You are sealed with his Holy Spirit and his spirit is in you. It's not baptism in the Holy Spirit. You've got the spirit of Christ. And the spirit baptism is a separate new thing. And just those steps that I've just gone through are really well explained in um, Acts. Luke says at chapter 19, Paul is talking to people. Um, Paul says, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Jesus Christ. When they heard of this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. That state by step, repent, hear the gospel, believe in Jesus, be baptized in his name, receive the Holy Spirit. We are told quite clearly what we should be doing. So now we know how we get to the point where the Holy Spirit should be, that's our next step, getting baptized in him. But what is it? It's a gift. It's a free gift. It's a promised gift. And we have to remember that it came, the Holy Spirit came to us in place of Jesus. He came after Jesus had been glorified and ascended to heaven. So if Jesus is in heaven, we were sent this incredible intercessor, comforter, helper. And again, another blow my mind moment. I didn't realize that, and maybe you didn't, but maybe you do. um, It is to our advantage that Jesus went to heaven and sent the Holy Spirit. So put it this way, it's better to have the Holy Spirit here than have Jesus on earth. He can be everywhere, right? In John 16, 7, 11, I'm just going to read verse 7. It says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. So Jesus left, but gave us this awesome being, the Holy Spirit. So with that in mind, if Jesus says it's to our advantage to have the Holy Spirit here, why are we not under the waterfall? Why are we doing what I've been doing, dancing around on the side of it? He left it to us for the betterment of us, better than having him here. We need to get under the waterfall. So we know what it is. How do you get it? And I was thinking about this, and like with everything, Jesus is our perfect example. So I wanted to look at where he got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And Matthew 3.16 says, When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold... The heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. It's what we've got to do. And God's so pleased with us when we do it. So, Jesus was baptized in the Holy Spirit, but we're just mere mortals. So how does it happen for us? I'm going to give you three examples in a minute. We're quite familiar, some of us, with the story of Acts, but I'm just going to put you in that moment where the disciples are hanging around waiting. 
for the Spirit to come. We're post-resurrection. Jesus has been around for a few days, quite a while actually, after he was brought back from the dead. And that whole time he's been with them and other people and he's got them gathered in a room. We've got Peter who messed up, denied Jesus three times. He's hanging around waiting. John was there, the one who stuck with Jesus the whole way through. Said he's now going to look after Mary for Jesus. He's there. We've had some doubters. We've had all sorts of people. But they're all gathered and they're waiting for what? They don't know. (laughs) We know because we've read about it. But they had no idea. But they knew they had to wait. And the first... Oh, I have to get... I don't think I've put these on my... You have to bear with me because I haven't written written these out. Um, So the first one is Acts 2, 1 to 4 at Pentecost. When the day of the Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, all with one accord waiting, like they've been told to do, waiting. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I, I don't really know how to put I put, put in my notes, wow, crazy. <laughs> I don't really know how else you'd explain it. Fire is on their heads, they're speaking with these new tongues. And then the second example, I've read the passage already, is um, at Ephesus, where Paul lays hands on these new believers and baptizes them with the Holy Spirit. They're also given the gift of tongues and the gifts of prophecy at that moment. And the last one, the one that is different again, because it doesn't happen in the sort of lovely order that we know where you believe, you get baptized in water and then you get baptized in the spirit, is um, Acts 10 with um, Cornelius, the centurion. So he's seen an angel, Cornelius, and he says, I'm calling Simon Peter because that's what I'm supposed to do. He then hears Peter preach the gospel and immediately believes and is baptized with the Holy Spirit at the same time. So it's a bit different. The reason I'm bringing it up is because he also got the gift of tongues and he was magnifying God. The reason I'm bringing it up is because he was a Gentile. So when I said earlier it's for everybody, it really is. It isn't just for these, the Jews. The Gentiles were available as well. And, and the, the reading is Acts 10, 44 to 46. Um, So Peter was still speaking from the words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word and those of circumcision who believed were astonished as many of them came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. So there's three examples of how it happens. In all of them, God's at work. And in all of them, he gives the gift of tongues, which is an immediate way to communicate with God and about God. Now, I like to do things really logically. It's the lawyer in me. But I was thinking next about, we know what it is. We know how you get it. Why Why do you get it? Why, why do we need spirit baptism other than reading in Hebrews that it's part of the foundational principles? And I got four Ps. They're my four to listen for. And the first one is Jesus' promise. In Acts 1 to 4, I'm just going to go straight in with the scripture again. There's quite a lot. (laughs) Um, And being assembled together with them, the disciples, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you have heard from me. So Jesus promised us the Holy Spirit. He promised the disciples, but that's us too. And at John 7, 37, 
On the last day, the day of the great feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture had said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this is, he spoke, concerning the Spirit, whose, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus had not yet been glorified. So Jesus was still here giving this promise before he left us. So we know... Number one is the promise. Jesus promised it to us. Number two is it's his plan for us to have it. Acts two seventeen to 21, it says, And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and the signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That is a massive plan. It's a really big plan. We're a part of it. Getting baptized in the Holy Spirit is a really big deal. You need, you need it to be part of it. So it's his promise. It's his plan for us. Why, what next? I think Chris prayed about this actually this morning. It's our purpose. Matthew 28, 19 and 20, Jesus says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them all to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. That purpose, that great commission, which is what it's called, we need the Holy Spirit to do that. We also need number four, P, power. We need power and authority. Acts 1.8 But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. The power part is really important. When we're born again and we get that new inner potential, that's all about us and changing to be more like Jesus. It's a wonderful new thing. But when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, the power you get comes out of you. It's to empower, to do things outside yourself. So baptism in the Spirit gives us the power to do what we need to do as a part of his promise, as a part of the plan he's given us, as the purpose that we've got. We need number four to do one, two, and three. So here's the point of baptism in the Holy Spirit. To see the fullness of God's promise, to fulfill his plan, to carry out our purpose, you need power. I'm going to say it again because I think it's a big one. <laughs> to see the fullness of God's promise, to fulfill his plan, to carry out our purpose, you need power. That power is in the Holy Spirit. The disciples did a lot of miracles before Jesus left them but they weren't qualified with that same power that we can have. We're wait they waited. We don't have to wait. He's here. So what next? You know, what, how, all my P's. 
next part is about experiencing him. And there was a song I was singing this morning, you know, Holy Spirit, we asked you experience your presence. I'm not going to sing it. Um, Holy Spirit is God. He was a lot of wafting across the waters at creation. He's ancient, awesome, loving, incredible feeling being. God speaks to us in the spiritual realm through him. We commune with God and Jesus by him. He's always with us. Thankfully, when I went astray, he was still with me. I was sealed by him. You know. We hear God more clearly through him. And I don't know about you, you can feel him in the room. Some get this conviction to go and do something. It's his presence. I find it really hard to describe the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I think even the most eloquent poet would struggle. And it happens differently for everyone. So it's how you can relay that. Um, Sometimes it's really obvious. Sometimes people are flawed. They're experiencing the Holy Spirit. But for other people, you don't know at all. It's an internal feeling. What words would I use? I don't know. Sometimes you get like deep peace. Others get massive energy and they've got to go and do stuff. Um, some people feel electricity. I feel like warmth in my hands. Really warm, like um, uh, you can't explain how, but it's different to normal, just heat. And I cry <laughs> a lot. <laughs> Not sadness. It's never tears of sadness. It's overwhelm of... And it's not a carnal thing either, because I'm not crying because I want to cry. It just comes out. Um, and I'm not doing it today. <laughs> um, some people hear a voice, which a bit like when you first hear tongues, sounds a bit crazy. That's okay. Everyone hears him differently. Everyone feels him differently. The point is you need to allow space for him in your life. You're not going to experience him if you don't give space to him. And allow that to grow. Don't like me, try and be someone else. He wants to know you intimately. All the gunky stuff in your cup can be gone with him. If you haven't experienced the Holy Spirit yet, whatever, you can. I had in here whether I was going to pray right now about that, but I'm going to do it at the end because I want a little bit more to say. <laughs> um, it's available though, that's the point. Um, if you're experiencing him, and I said some people don't, nothing to show they're experiencing, the difference with the Holy Spirit is that we get proof. If faith, at Hebrews 11.1, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, when you get the Holy Spirit in your life, there's actual proof. How do you know he's been baptized, someone's been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Well, you don't always, because like I say, some people, you don't get anything. Others, you do. Remember, it's personal to you. There's no right or wrong way to get baptized in the Spirit or hear or feel him or experiencing him. We saw earlier the, the three examples. Everyone got the gift of tongues. It isn't always everyone get it, but in the three examples I gave, they did. There's always more with the Holy Spirit. And if all Christians have them, him in them, the baptism is the extra. You can't cut the Holy Spirit up into little chunks at all. When you are born again and you're, you get the Holy Spirit in you and you are joined with the Spirit of Christ, sealed with the Spirit of promise, 
you can feel the work of the Holy Spirit in you as one being. And from that moment, you can see fruits, fruits of the Spirit. They're at Galatians 5.22. And they're the amazing work in you personally that make you more loving, more kind, more gentle, more patient, have more self-control. I need more of that one. <laughs> more loving I can do. That's you. They're fruits in your life because you've got your join with the Spirit of Jesus, with the Holy Spirit. But jump forward to your baptism in him and you get something new, something that is outside of you, something that is from power to empower you to do your plan purpose, fulfill your promise. And those are gifts. The gifts of the Spirit at 1 Corinthians 12, 7 to 11. We heard it. We've been going through testimonies. We've had some this morning. Gifts of the Spirit and testimonies of those gifts working in people's lives. Of tongues for starters. Of healing. Of miracles. In people's finances. That's massive. Of healing for people that we're praying for. And we can have through the Holy Spirit. When you're joined with him and you get inward change, it's incredible. But when you are baptized in the Holy Spirit you can move outside of yourself and start affecting other people's lives, reaching other people, allowing him to reach deeper into you. So going back to my little pictures at the beginning and my little cup, why would you come with just that? Why would you come with just that? Why are we not all stood there in the grand glass vase available to be flooded and overflowed with the Holy Spirit? There's a beautiful passage at Luke 11:13 called Keep Asking, Seeking, and Knocking. If you need the Holy Spirit in your life, you can ask, seek, and knock, and listen, it says. So I ask to you, say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and he who seeks, finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. And this bit's a bit, which if you're asking for the Holy Spirit, is important. It's not a scary thing. <laughs> if a son asks for bread from, his fa- from any father among you, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will you give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will you offer him a scorpion? If you, us, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give you, give the Holy Spirit to you than those who ask him? It's not scary. It's the best gift. He's a really good father. He's not going to give you anything horrible. It's an amazing gift. It's, you know, Jesus has gone and this is our amazing gift. Don't be nervous. <laughs> if you haven't experienced before, don't be nervous. It's a good thing. And if, like me, you got a little bit independent or you neglected it or too busy for the Holy Spirit, you can ask for more of it. Ask for more of him. And I'm going to give you the opportunity to ask for more now. If you were people who raised your hands earlier, do you still want more of the Holy Spirit? You want more of God? He's available to all of us. If you didn't raise your hand, and maybe it's because you don't know him yet, you don't have to do it again, um, we can pray for you. If it's something you want, you can ask for it. He'll give it to you. It's a beautiful gift, and it will give you so much joy in your life. So I want to pray now, as I bring my talk to a close, 
Firstly, for those of us who raised our hands at the beginning, for, for me being one of them who wants more of you in our lives, we want to stand more like big glass vases before you, Holy Spirit, and less like little cups. Holy Spirit, we ask that you come. Always welcome. And touch each of those people who in their heart know that they may have put you to the side or even to the back or just a little bit out of focus. We ask that, Holy Spirit, you can move in them, convict them to remind the focus to be forward and foremost, Jesus at the center, and you empowering us to do all of those amazing things in plan and promise. For those of you who don't know him yet, if you want to come and know him, we ask, we say there's people available to pray, but I want to pray for you now. If you've been touched by hearing about the Holy Spirit, he can do the most incredible thing in your life. If you want prayer, please come and ask. But Holy Spirit, I ask now that you do touch people this morning, that you do touch hearts, soften them, warm them. Help us all to commune better with you, God, to, to reach those people who are thirsting after you, to reach those people who are nearly knocking, to help them to knock and ask. Ask for more of you in your life, in their lives. Jesus, we thank you for, for leaving behind the most precious gift of the Holy Spirit, for leaving him available to us and all the power that he can impart upon us that we can then prove to the world about you. And, and Father, we ask now that this church sees more of the gifts of the Spirit, more expectation for the miracles, more expectation for your movement, and more expectation for you more generally. Um, just more. And at, the, and at the focus and at the centre. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you for this gift. Amen. So if you don't know Jesus and you've never actually even got our first base yet, but you want to do that, I want to pray now. Everybody with your eyes shut. This is a private thing, but we're all going to say the prayer, okay? Father, I've decided to come to you this morning to turn around, to use that word repent. Because I want to follow you. I want you to change my life. And I want to know you. So I'm asking you, Jesus, to be my saviour. And I choose to give you my life. And I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. And give me that new life Nikki was talking about. Thank you, Father. Amen. Everybody keep your eyes shut. So if you said that prayer for the first time, can you just put your hand up, let me know, and then we can, uh, we're not going to embarrass you, we're not going to get you out, we're not going to do anything like, like that, but we will help you take the next steps. So if, that, if, you, if you said that prayer for the first time, just let me know, just kind of give me a wave or something. Okay.
Okay, and everybody who said they wanted more, I want you to put your hand up, reach up now. Holy Spirit, we want more of you. We want to know you more fully, experience you more deeply. You said that if we love you, we'll do what you ask. And if we're that sort of person, then you'll manifest, you'll show yourself, you'll be real to us. And that's what we desire in increasing measure in every one of our lives. So Holy Spirit, we ask you to do that now. So I want each of you who's got your hand up, just ask him to do that for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You know how you receive things in the kingdom of heaven? You receive them not because you feel them, but because of faith. So if you prayed that prayer, the Holy Spirit right now is answering it, whether you feel anything, whether whether you, you don't feel anything, whether you do, whatever it looks like, whatever it feels like. He's answering that prayer right now because it's a response to faith. And he'll speak to you, he'll meet with you in the way that is best for you. So we thank you, Father. We thank you. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.